lads and ladies, welcome to the Junior Classics. Hi there, I'm Sir Bradley Hassey, a teller of borrowed tales. Join me as I share stories of courage, adventure, and wonder. But don't take my word for it. You can find out for yourself on today's Junior Classic. Mother, bake me a bannock and roast me a collop, for I'm going away to seek my fortune. Well, yon's for you. Yonder we must be this night, for my elder brother lives yonder. All these I will give you, on condition that you put off your marriage for one day. Here you must stay, till I go and fight the old one. Well, hello, Junior Scholars. My name is Sir Bradley, guardian of the written word and your guide through the Junior Classics. Our mission is to safeguard the wisdom in the classics and inspire children with a love of good reading and a real and lasting interest in Western literature, history, and scholarship. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining us. And a very special thank you to my loyal listeners who tune in each and every episode. Last time, it was my son's birthday, and this time, it is my daughter Charlotte's birthday. They have back-to-back birthdays. Charlotte has turned four years old. How many of you are four years old? Charlotte, it is my desire for you to grow in beauty, kindness, and gentleness. Happy birthday to my beautiful princess. If you are just tuning in, this is the third episode of season two. Tales from around the world. If you are a new listener, make sure you go back and get caught up on season one, Old Favorite Fairy Tales. On this season, we are focusing on specific nations in order to steep ourselves in their greatest stories. And today, we continue our steeping in merry old England with a tale from Scotland. Now, Scotland is a country that is part of the United Kingdom and it covers the northern third of the island of Great Britain. It shares a border with England to the south and is otherwise surrounded by ocean. In addition to the mainland, the country is made up of more than 790 islands. Now today's fairy tale is another story I had never heard before. It is called The Black Bull of Norway. So what makes this tale English, or Scottish, I should say? Well, there is a similar story titled The Red Bull of Norway, which first appeared in a collection called Popular Rhymes of Scotland by Robert Chambers in 1842. A version titled The Black Bull of Norway was reprinted several years later, and that version was adapted by Joseph Jacobs in his book More English Fairy Tales, which we are reading today. There are also two traditional Scottish dishes of food that are mentioned, bannock and collop. Bannock is a round baked bread. When a round bannock is cut into wedges, the wedges are often called scones. So you may have heard of a scone before, that's where it comes from. And collops are a traditional Scottish dish It can be created using either thin slices or minced meat of beef, lamb, or venison. Uh, The meat is then combined with onion, salt, and pepper, and then baked or roasted with all kinds of other things and served with thin toast and mashed potato. Isn't that wonderful? But before we get to the story... Lost and found words! Listen carefully to the meaning of these words and try and spot them during the story. Our first word is crooning. 
Crooning means to hum or sing in a soft, low voice, especially in a sentimental manner. Our next word is bonnie. Bonnie means to be attractive or beautiful. In the story, the princess visits several bonnie castles. Our next word is glen, which means a narrow valley. And this was very interesting, the word shoon, which was an older version of the word shoes. So now next time you need to get ready, you can tell your parents to go find my shoon or mom, I need my shoon. Now on to the show. In today's story, three daughters leave their mother and home to seek their fortune. The older daughters are quickly whisked away by husbands, but the youngest daughter is utterly surprised to be given over to a great black bull that came crooning down the road. The black bull treats her very kindly and leads her to three different castles. Each night, the black bull is mysteriously sent away, and Our Lady is given a gift with special instructions to only use the gift when she is in great trouble. Finally, the black bull reveals that he was placed under a curse and is going forth to fight the old one who cursed him. He tells the lady she must not move a muscle while he is gone, or he will not be able to find her again. Our poor lady is so excited by a sign that the black bull defeated the old one that she moves, and when the black bull returns, he cannot find her. Our lady then wanders in sadness until she is taken into the home of a witch and her daughter. Hmm, will the black bull continue to search for our lady? What additional troubles will be found at the home of the witch? Will our lady have a chance to use her special gifts? All this and more on today's Junior Classic. The Black Bull of Norway by Joseph Jacobs. In Norway, long time ago, there lived a certain lady, and she had three daughters. The oldest of them said to her mother, Mother, bake me a bannock and roast me a collop, for I'm going away to seek my fortune. Her mother did so, and the daughter went away to the old witch washerwife and told her purpose. The old wife bade her stay that day and look out of her back door and see what she could see. She saw nothing the first day. The second day, she did the same and saw nothing. On the third day, she looked again and saw a coach and six coming along the road. She ran in and told the old wife what she saw. Well, yawns for you. So they took her into the coach and galloped off. The second daughter next says to her mother, Mother, bake me a bannock and roast me a collop, for I'm going away to seek my fortune. Her mother did so. And away she went to the old wife, as her sister had done. On the third day, she looked out of the back door and saw a coach and four coming along the road. Well, yawns for you. So they took her in and off they set. The third daughter says to her mother, Mother, bake me a bannock and roast me a collop, for I'm going away to seek my fortune. Her mother did so, and away she went to the old witch. She bade her look out of her back door and see what she could see. She did so, 
and when she came back, she said she saw nothing. The second day she did the same, and saw nothing. The third day she looked again, and on coming back said to the old wife she saw nothing but a great black bull coming crooning along the road. Well, yawns for you. On hearing this, she was next to distracted with grief and terror, but she was lifted up and set on his back, and away they went. Aye, they traveled, and on they traveled, till the lady grew faint with hunger. Eat out of my right ear, and drink out of my left ear, and set by your leaving. So she did as he said, and was wonderfully refreshed, and long they rode, and hard they rode, till they came in sight of a very big and bonny castle. Yonder we must be this night, for my elder brother lives yonder. And presently they were at the place. They lifted her off his back and took her in, and sent him away to a park for the night. In the morning, when they brought the bull home, they took the lady into a fine shining parlor and gave her a beautiful apple, telling her not to break it till she was in the greatest strait ever mortal was in the world, and that would bring her out of it. Again, she was lifted on the bull's back, and after she had ridden far and farther than I can tell, they came in the sight of a far bonnier castle and far farther away than the last. Says the bull to her, Yonder we must be this night, for my second brother lives yonder. And they were at the place directly. They lifted her down and took her in, and sent the bull to the field for the night. In the morning, they took the lady into a fine and rich room, and gave her the finest pear she had ever seen, bidding her not to break it till she was in the greatest strait ever mortal could be in, and that would get her out of it. Again, she was lifted and set on his back, and away they went, and long they rode, and hard they rode, till they came in sight of the far biggest castle, and far farthest off, yet they had seen. We must be yonder tonight, for my young brother lives yonder. And they were there directly. They lifted her down, took her in, and sent the bull to the field for the night. In the morning, they took her into a room, the finest of all, and gave her a plum, telling her not to break it till she was in the greatest strait mortal could be in, and that would get her out of it. Presently, they brought home the bull, set the lady on his back, and away they went. And I they rode, and they rode, till they came to a dark and ugsome glen, where they stopped, and the lady lighted down. Says the bull to her, Here you must stay, till I go and fight the old one. You must seat yourself on that stone, and move neither hand nor foot till I come back, else I'll never find you again. And if everything round you turns blue, I have beaten the old one. But should all things turn red, he'll have conquered me. She set herself down on the stone, and by and by, all round her turned blue. Overcome with joy, she lifted one of her feet and crossed it over the other. So glad was she that her companion was victorious. The bull returned and sought for her, but never could find her. Long she sat, and I she wept, till she wearied. At last she rose and went away. She didn't know where. On she wandered, till she came to a great hill of glass. 
That she tried all she could to climb, but wasn't able. Round the bottom of the hill she went, sobbing and seeking a passage over, till at last she came to a smith's house, and the smith promised if she would serve him seven years, he would make her iron shoon, wherewith she could climb over the glassy hill. At seven years' end, she got her iron shoon, clomb the grassy hill, and chanced to come to the old washerwife's habitation. There she was told of a gallant young knight that had given in some clothes all over blood to wash, and whoever washed them was to be his wife. The old wife had washed till she was tired, and then she set her daughter at it, and both washed, and they washed, and they washed in hopes of getting the young knight. But for all they could do, they couldn't bring out the stain. At length they set the stranger damsel to work, and whenever she began, the stains came out pure and clean, and the old wife made the knight believe it was her daughter had washed the clothes. So the knight and the eldest daughter were to be married, and the stranger damsel was distracted at the thought of it, for she was deeply in love with him. So... She bethought her of her apple, and breaking it, found it filled with gold and precious jewelry, the richest she had ever seen. All these I will give you, on condition that you put off your marriage for one day, and allow me to go into his room alone at night. The lady consented, but meanwhile the old wife had prepared a sleeping drink, and given it to the knight who drank it, and never wakened till next morning. The live-long night the damsel sobbed and sang, Seven long years I've served for thee, The glassy hill I clomb for thee, Thy bloody clothes I rang for thee, And will thou not waken and turn to me? Next day she knew not what to do for grief. Then she broke the pear, And found it filled with jewelry Far richer than the contents of the apple. With these jewels, she bargained for permission to be a second knight in the young knight's chamber. But the old wife gave him another sleeping drink, and again he slept till morning, and all night she kept sighing and singing as before. Seven long years I've served for thee, the glassy hill I clomb for thee. Thy bloody clothes I rang for thee, and will thou not waken and turn to me? Still he slept, and she nearly lost hope altogether. But that day, when he was out hunting, somebody asked him what noise and moaning was that they heard all last night in his bedchamber. He said, I have heard no noise. But they assured him there was, and he resolved to keep waking that night to try what he could hear. That being the third night, and the damsel being between hope and despair, she broke her plum, and it held by far the richest jewelry of the three. She bargained as before, and the old wife, as before, took in the sleeping drink to the young knight's chamber. But he told her he couldn't drink it that night without sweetening. And when she went away for some honey to sweeten it, he poured out the drink and so made the old wife think he had drunk it. They all went to bed again, and the damsel began as before singing. 
Seven long years I've served for thee, the glassy hill I clomb for thee, thy bloody clothes I rang for thee, and will thou not waken and turn to me? He heard and turned to her, and she told him all that had befallen her, and he told her all that had happened to him. And he caused the old washerwife and her daughter to be burnt, and they were married. And he and she are living happy to this day, for aught I know. What a great story. This one had a little bit of everything in it. What really stood out to me was the difference between the youngest daughter who married the prince and the witch and her daughter. The young daughter persisted and suffered through many a tough ordeal in order to find the prince. She then had to use her gifts of treasure as bribes to break through the witch's treachery. She could have easily taken the gifts, abandoned the prince, and lived comfortably the rest of her days. But she was willing to give up everything she had for the love of her prince. In comparison, the witch was quick to lie to the prince about who cleaned his shirt in order to deceive him into marrying her daughter instead of Our Lady. The witch's daughter only wanted to marry the prince to improve her personal position, not for love or any other virtuous reason. The moment jewels and treasure were offered to her, she quickly showed her true feelings for the prince by putting off her marriage in exchange for the bribe. I think Our Lady's true feelings were expressed in her song where she said seven long years she served the smith to receive iron shoon then climbed the great hill of glass. Then she labored to wash the bloodstain and finally spent all her gifts and treasure to speak with the prince. She was willing to give up everything she had gained for the love of her prince. You've heard this lesson before, junior scholars, but it's worth saying again. The greatest love you can show is giving up one's life for another. That's all for this episode. Until next time, I am Sir Bradley. Be brave, be loyal, and speak the truth. Now for you parents out there, I want you to understand why we are doing this, what we are trying to achieve, and how you can help us. This is a rescue operation to preserve the classics and the wisdom within before it is lost forever. Our goal is to inspire children with a love of good reading by safeguarding and breathing new life into the greatest stories in history and empower you, the parents, with a resource you can trust to enrich your child's mind and spirit. We don't want these stories and the wisdom within to be forgotten so our children don't have to learn these lessons on their own. The most important thing you can do for us is to spread the message and tell others about these stories and what we are doing. If you want to donate, we would love that as well. My promise is that 100% of donations will go to building the impact and quality of the Junior Classics. If you have feedback and thoughts on how we can do things better, please send an email to juniorclassicspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the Junior Classics.